Thank you, everyone. Hi, Foundry Church. How are you? I am so honored to be here to testify of what God has done in my life. You know, my real name is not Kiwi, though Kiwi is so cute, it's like the fruit. <laughs> my real name is Kiwani, and it sounds Hawaiian, but I wish I was from Hawaii, but I know that God has a plan and purpose why I was born and raised in the Philippines to a very poor family. My dad, he's an alcoholic, and each night, my parents would fight because he's always drunk. There are three brothers ahead of me who died because of lack of medical attention. My third brother, he was supposed to be born cesarean section, but my parents could not afford the medical care necessary. So what they did, they cut my mom open without proper anesthesia. My mom screamed for pain, but my brother didn't survive. But after that, I was born in another sister. And I remember growing up in the Philippines, it was so difficult that there are nights that I would beg my mama and papa, Ma, Pa, I could not sleep because I was so hungry. But even my parents would give up the food that they're about to eat that night, which is most of the time rice and soy sauce or rice and salt, it would still be not sufficient. I would remember I look at my neighbor's window and pretend to watch their television from their outside of their house. But I would look at the table and see food and wonder why do they have food tonight and us not. And I remember vividly when apples were imported, maybe from America to the Philippines, and I would beg my mama, Ma, please. I want to taste this apple, but even a rotten apple, my parents could not afford to buy. And you know what? This is not a sad story because we have a good father in heaven. One day, my dad, who was always drunk, picked up a track from the floor. And in that track, it says to go to a crusade. And in the crusade, he heard about Jesus, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in that crusade, my dad received Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And for the very first time, my dad went home sober. My mom was so surprised because everybody else said, your, your husband's not going to change. He's going to die an alcoholic. But the word of God says, nothing is impossible with me. And my mom asked him, are you sick? Why are you sober today? And he said, no, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and you need to come to church with me. So he brought us to church, me and my sister. We would sit in Sunday school, and the kids there, they would sing about Jesus, that Jesus loves the little children, all the children in the world, red, yellow, black, and white, all the children in his sight, that he cares, that he provides. But as a young kid, I could not understand that. Who is this Jesus? If he cares, if he provides, then why do we live this way? But you know what? We have a good, good father in heaven. At the age of seven, I was registered to the Compassion Program. And at the age of seven, somebody from Australia picked up a packet and he started to sponsor me. The very first thing in his letter, he said, Kiwi, you are pretty and Kiwi, Jesus loves you. I have never thought of myself as beautiful or pretty. It is not in our culture to tell our kids, oh, you're so beautiful, you're so pretty, you can be what you want to be. But later on, I begin to realize, Lord, is this how you see me? That I'm beautiful and wonderful in your sight. That I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That I am a child of the one true God. When I was in high school, I told my mama, Ma, I don't want to be poor anymore. I want to get out of this situation. I want to go to college. I want to take up something. My mama said, 
Let's pray because God will provide, God will provide. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And God did provide. This lady who is standing in front of you right now is a physical therapist working in a hospital in Dallas, Texas. Our God is a good, good God. After graduation from college, I need to take a difficult, very difficult exam, my licensure exam. And I don't know about you, but I'm so scared of failing. I'm so scared of the unknown. But every time I open my Bible, God will tell me, Kiwi, is there anything too hard for me? And the answer says, nothing, absolutely nothing is too hard for the Lord. My teacher in, in compassion program would tell me, Kiwi, this might be your situation, but this is not your destiny. For in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So I need to take the very difficult exam. And the Lord says, all of my promises for you, Kiwi, are yes and amen. Out of 1,700 students who took the exam, I landed 10th place <laughs> in the whole Philippines. <laughs> and because of that, they gave me a medal. And as I was receiving this medal, I told the Lord, Lord, if only my sponsors were here, I'm going to give this medal to them. Because of them, this is a reality. Every year in our church, we have a prayer and fasting. And usually, I don't join because I was hungry when I was a kid. <laughs> but that year, I said, I'm going to join. And I prayed for specifically that I'm going to meet my sponsors. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. March came, and a group of Australian sponsors came to the Philippines and asked me to give my testimony. And after that, they invited me to go to Australia to meet my sponsors. And I think I have a picture for you. And I ran to them and hugged them, and over and over again, I told them, thank you so much. You didn't just change my life, but my family, and I know one day my community, because my mom is now a pastor of a small community church in the Philippines. And three years ago, we opened up our own ministry in our own backyard to our, the kids in our community to tell them about Jesus, to tell them that we have a good father in heaven. You know what? 13 years ago, I came to America to work as a physical therapist. And nine years ago, I got married to a wonderful man from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I got myself a southern boy. <laughs> and my, my husband's name is Terry Cook. And he is an executive chef in Dallas, Texas. Imagine I was hungry when I was a kid. Now I'm married to an executive chef. <laughs> Only God can surprise you like that. I will never be hungry again. <laughs> and during the wedding, I invited my parents to come to the United States. And you know where I took them after the wedding? I think I have a picture for you. I took my parents to an apple orchard <laughs> in LJ, Georgia. And my dad, he's picking up apples from the ground. And I said, no, dad, God has blessed us exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ever ask or think, that we're now able to pick up apples from the tree. God withheld that rotten apple years and years ago because he has something better for us. And at that moment in that apple orchard, we're just celebrating about the compassion, the grace of God. 
the faithfulness of God in our lives. And I know that God has blessed us not to just keep it to ourselves. God has blessed us to be a blessing to other people. And I cannot keep that blessing to myself. I am now a sponsor of four kids in total. Two from the Philippines, because I'm biased. <laughs> One from Haiti and a little boy named Juan from Bolivia. And seven years ago, I went back home to the Philippines and met my sponsored children. And I think I have a picture for you. And I told them, hang in there. Do not give up. And maybe that's a word for you too. Do not give up. If God can do it to me, he can do it to you and through you. And one day, God will give you a platform, an avenue, a chance to tell your friends, to tell a stranger, to tell a congregation that we have a good, good Father in heaven. To him be all the glory and honor and praises forever and ever. Thank you so much and God bless you all. How encouraging to hear the work of the Lord throughout this world. I'm going to pray over us and then we're going to continue to sing, lifting a praise to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your power that is still present in this world, God, that you can work through people like us to reach people all across the world to share your word and your goodness. Lord, we praise you this morning and we ask you near us as we continue in your praise. In your son's name we pray, amen. Will you all stand as we raise a hallelujah to him this morning? Sing, I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. Darkness 
sing a little louder. Oh, sing a little louder. There we go. How's everybody today? How's everybody now? Man, wasn't that amazing? Kiwi. Awesome. An awesome God we serve, and I'm so grateful for your testimony. And anytime we hear stories like Kiwi's, it reminds us that God uses people, always uses people, to touch other lives. And it's not about what we have, it's about what God can use and multiply in us. That the simple willingness to say I'm available to God and I'll be a sponsor to a child. My wife and I got a, a letter recently because it was the 20th anniversary of the first time we sponsored kids through Compassion International. Um, and today is really just about pointing people to Jesus. And we say around here all the time our mission is to help people know, follow, and share Jesus. And this is an example of one of the ways that you can do that. Um, each week in our worship, we have a time to give financially because we believe that matters. <laughs> because when we give of what God has blessed us with, um, he does amazing things like what we heard with Kiwi and the stories that each person that you can talk to out in the lobby today that's involved in one of our mission partners um, can tell you stories like that. Um, we also, like, celebrated uh, VBS this week was amazing. Um, I know I dropped my kids off uh, to help serve this week, 
And uh, just to see the energy and the excitement and the lives that were changed that week. And so I just want to remind you, as you saw on the screen, um, and with our worship order being a little, little different today, you do have an opportunity to give at the boxes if you're here in person. But if you're online or in person and want to give by text, you'll see that number on the screen, I think, and if we can put that back up, the number on the screen as well as on the Foundry website is another way to give. Or, of course, you can always mail a check to the church office. But thank you so much for the ways that you're partnering with God. It's stories like Kiwis. It's stories of our kids in VBS. It's stories of life change and hope that only Jesus brings in that way that we give to. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your presence with us and ultimately the way that you use people to touch lives, to share Jesus. And we pray, God, that you would make us a church with open hands, hands to serve you, hands to give of ourselves. It's not about what we have, but it's about what you can do with what you have blessed us with. And so, God, we pray that you would take our offering in our whole lives and continue to use us to, to be a part of those kinds of hope-giving life-changing stories. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as we continue, I just want to make one thing clear. I am on sabbatical. Some of you have asked me. I announced several weeks ago that I was going on sabbatical this week, or this summer, for, uh, for several weeks. Um, and I'm glad that nobody said, why are you here today? Um, that's a good sign. Um, but let me just tell you why I did break, uh, break my own rules for just one Sunday. Um, my very dear friend, Michael Mosley, who is like a father to me, uh, I uh, lived with he and his family during college, and he is one of my spiritual fathers um, and has blessed my life, enriched my life. He was one of the pastors that did the, our wedding, Jacqueline and I's wedding. And I've been trying to get him to come preach for 14 years here, and he finally um, is here today. We're excited to have him. And I just said, I cannot let Michael Mosley preach without being here, so I'm here today just to introduce him and welcome him. I also didn't know what he, I mean, like I said, he knew me in college, so I didn't know what exactly he would say, so I needed to be here to defend myself as well. Um, but Michael was a missionary in Ghana, West Africa for 10 years. After I graduated from college, he moved to Africa and has just a huge heart for the people of Africa and has started a mission organization that you're going to hear about that's making a difference through training and developing leaders and pastors in Africa. And the best way for me to introduce that would be just to point you to the little video that he has. Catalyst for Africa is a ministry 
that it has revolutionized how I do ministry in this part of the world. I used to think like an average African that ministry is all about numbers and multitude. But with my involvement with Catalyst for Africa training, I've come to realize that it's all about relationship. So I want to let you know this, that Africa will stay in the place God has destined it to be when leaders are developed with a model from Catalyst for Africa. The more you bring leaders together, they go deep in God's words. The more you envision them to carry out the ministries the Lord has laid in their hands. The same thing I also learned is this, that we have all it takes for us to actually make Africa a great place for God to use in this end time. We are changing the world in Jesus' name, one relationship at a time. Well, good morning, Foundry. What a great privilege for me to be with you all, and I'm so thankful that I could just share with you that your pastor ate me out of house and home in the summer of 1996. And uh, he wouldn't just eat just a small bowl of cereal. He would grab one of those Tupperware things and just pour the whole thing in and half a gallon of milk. And so we had to change our whole like menu system for that summer, but it was great to have him. And uh, he helped me to toss my daughter who was two or three years old as far as we, you know, he's a baseball player. So he's like, back up just a little bit more. <laughs> but we had a great time. I am such, uh, I'm just so privileged to be with you all. And again, Kiwi, what an amazing testimony. And thank you for your faithfulness to God. To give God glory in the midst of difficulties, um, I almost wanted to say, we've heard enough. Let's go home. Um, when we talk about missions, there, there's always kind of the, the big three of missions. And I want you to help me today. I don't know if Ray asked you guys to talk to you, but I preach in Africa and they typically talk back. So when you think about the big three of missions, what are they? What is it? UNICEF. Okay, that's an organization, but when, when you're talking about that's a good answer. But missions in general, what, what are the big three? When you talk about missions, there's three big things that we're really involved in. You got to speak up. Hunger, all right? Water, okay, those are great. Pray, did I hear pray? Christ, okay, that's great in missions. Well, the big three, when, when I talk about the big three, it's praying, going, and giving. You agree? Just shake your head like that with me and, and agree. So it's praying, going, and giving when it comes to missions. Kiwi's on track with me. She knows that. So what we want to do this morning, I want to just take a minute, and if you're called to pray for missions, I want you to meet over in this little side over here. If you're called to go on the mission field, I want you to be in this segment right here. And if you're called to give, Kiwi and I want to meet with you over here. Because, you know, missionaries and preachers are nothing but professional beggars, right? Shame on us. And isn't it sad that that's sometimes the attitude we have about missions is that, you know, we're always saying, give me, give me, give me. But as Ray said this morning, it's all about relationship. It's all about pouring into people's lives. It's all about 
allowing yourself to be salt and light to lost and hurting world. How many of you all are called to the mission field? Let me just see your hands right now. Hands are going up all over the <laughs> Thank God all of you are not called to the mission field. <laughs> because isn't it great that you know that you did, those of you that didn't raise your hand, don't feel shame or guilt. Say yes, because God has a different plan and purpose for you. And as I've worked in Africa, if you're not called to the mission field, trust me, I don't want you in Africa. You understand? And, and, and God has a purpose and plan for every one of us. And, and my prayer for you today, that at the end of this message, that God would speak to you about what he's called you to do and to be in this world, right here in Houston, Texas, right here in whatever county we're in, right here in the state of Texas. I'm from Georgia. Go dogs. Sorry about your Texas baseball team last night. Shouldn't have said that. But I know that God wants to use each and every one of you. And as we focus on missions and we focus on the, the whole word about what it means to grow in Christ, my prayer for you today is that you would get a deeper understanding of how God wants to bring you deeper into a relationship with him, not just for your own sake, but for the people that you interact with, people in your family, people in your workplaces. God wants to use you to change the world. Amen? Would you pray with me before we get into God's word this morning? God, thank you so much for every man, woman, and child here. Thank you for all the people listening online. Lord, I pray that your word would be sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder to the joints and marrow, to the very discerning of our thoughts. Lord, would you use your word to penetrate deep into our lives, that we would hear from you, that you truly do have a purpose and plan for our lives. And we ask you to be with us in these next few moments. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to share a story with you before I share with you from God's Word. In 1984, I was graduating from Asbury University, and a man came and preached up there, and he was preaching revival, and he was looking for someone to go to Ghana, West Africa. And I had lunch with him, and he told me about it, and my question to him was, where is Ghana? because I didn't know where Ghana was on the continent, and I'm sure all of you know exactly where all the 54 countries in Africa are, just like I said. And, and so he said to me, you know, would you consider going to Ghana? And I'm like, I don't know. I went to Kenya the year before and spent eight weeks and had a great experience, but I didn't know anything about Ghana, and I was running track, and the next day on a Saturday, I'm running track, and I see this black young man on the other team, and I go over to him, thinking he's African-American. I'm like, hey, brother, how you doing? And he said, I'm fine, brother. And I said, where are you from? He said, Ghana, West Africa. I said, I just met a man yesterday that said I should go. And he said, oh, by all means, you must go. And so long story short, I met back up with that pastor, and he invited me to go and live a year with a Ghanaian family. And so I lived from 1984 of August to 1985 in practically June, July, with a Ghanaian family. And, and I want to tell you, when we talk about growing in Christ, many times we grow when we're challenged, don't we? Just shake your head like this. Just agree with me. And, and I think that for us to grow in Christ, God wants to take us to places sometimes that are not as comfortable as they could be. And I remember walking down the little, back then in 19, 
84, I was at the Atlanta airport and I'm walking down and my sister and all her children are there and I'm walking by myself as a 21-year-old young man and I hear my niece scream, don't go, don't go. And it was a hard place for me. But when I got on that plane and flew to Amsterdam and then to Nigeria and landed in Ghana, Ghana was under a military dictatorship and there was police everywhere and army people everywhere and they put machine guns in my face and said are you with the cia are you with the fbi and i said no i'm i'm a pastor i'm a and they said okay go 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 and so i spent a year living with a ghanaian family and doing youth ministry all over the country and during that time god changed my prayer life i learned to pray more than i've ever prayed before i learned to study scripture unlike i've ever studied scripture before i learned to preach sometimes using the Ghanaian language of chi and singing their songs and it was a time of growth for me and so as we look at this word today I want to ask you where are you in your walk with the Lord where are you when it comes to growing are you in that place where God is maybe pushing against you a little bit and saying I want you to go deeper I want you to know me more intimately and I want to use your life to change other people's lives. You know, it's not only Ray or Teresa's job to save Houston, right? Y'all know that? I know you may think it's their job, but really, it's all our job, isn't it? Amen? So if you have your Bible, look, I don't know if you all know what this is. This is actually a real Bible, and this is what I preach from. But I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 16, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. And this is at the end of Jesus' life, he's already died, rose again, and he's talking to his disciples, and this is the story. Matthew 28, beginning at verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. This was Jesus' last word to his disciples, and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore, go and make disciples. And when Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, then we have to believe all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Amen? He's risen from the dead. He came from heaven. He came as a babe in a manger. He lived as a man for 33 years. He was crucified, dead, and buried. He was put in the grave, and three days later, he rose again. And he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And he's telling these disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But he doesn't stop there. What's the next word in the passage? What does it say? Therefore. You don't have a Bible. Where, where are all your Bibles? It says, therefore. And when we went to seminary, they always asked us or taught us, we always need to ask, what's the therefore? Therefore. But what I believe Jesus was saying to his disciples in that passage is when he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. 
Do you know that this morning? Do you believe that this morning, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you? That Jesus says to you in your word, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, then he's also saying he's been given it to you. And then he says what? Go and make disciples of all nations. Let me ask you this question. How many extroverts are in the room? Let me just see your hands. Any extroverts? I would ask you to stand up, but then it would get a little messy. I used to ask how many introverts, but nobody would raise their hand. <laughs> but when Jesus says, go and make disciples, like we extroverts, like everybody is our best friend, no matter where we are. You know, we're always engaging people, talking to anybody, everybody. I loved hanging out with Ray yesterday and just watching him engage people. It was fun. And for us extroverts, that's very normal, isn't it? And for you introverts, it's very, very uncomfortable, isn't it? Just shake your head with me. But Jesus said, go and make disciples. And so my question to you first this morning is, how many of you all are making disciples right now? Because this is the command of Jesus, not just for the disciples then, but for us today. How many of us are making disciples? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but what I have found globally, and I've preached in 54 different countries in the world, and I spend most of my time on the African continent now, no matter what church I'm in, about 5% of the people raise their hand to say they are currently discipling other people. Well, I want to help you. All right, Teresa, that clock is at zero. Does that mean I'm done? Oh, oh I have 10 minutes? No. I have 10 minutes? Woo! I'm so excited. Because, see, I know with this first service, I have to stop at a certain time, but y'all don't tell the second service, I'm going to preach till I'm done. And I have a whole lot more that I'm going to share with them. If y'all want to stay, it, it'll get better, I promise. But I have to honor you all and the fact that there's a parking lot and people are coming and going. So, where was I? Help me. Yeah, so I'm preaching all these countries, but here's what I want to say to you today. God wants you to be a discipler, but I want to help change your mentality what I really believe that means is that God wants you to make friends with lost people in your world. And I'm not talking about Facebook confirm. I'm talking about really, I believe, because Jesus, by making disciples, what did he do with Peter and James and Andrew? And what did he do with them? He just went and hung out at the fishing you know, lot and said, hey, come follow me. And they, these guys were pagan. They were foul-mouthed nasty, illiterate, pagan, Galilean fishermen, and Jesus just said, hey, dude, I want to hang out with you. Can we do that? Can we do that? Shake your head like this with me. We can do that. And you know what, people? Lost people don't care that you know Jesus. Lost people want to know, do you care more about me than you do about converting me? You understand? And I want to encourage you that today, when you leave this church, that God would give you a new passion to make friends with lost people and begin that act of discipling people. And if you don't know all the answers, bring them here because Ray does. 
Am I right? Yeah. Just bring them. Just say, this church, it's different. People will accept you. They're not going to judge you. They're going to love you. And I got two stories for you I want to share. I was in London, England, and I was doing a PhD study. I didn't complete it, and that's a whole other story. I'll tell that at 11. <laughs> but God told me, and I'm an extrovert, I want you to share with one person every day, because I, I lived in South Croydon, a suburb of London, and I would get on a double-decker bus every morning and take it to the bus station to get on a train and take it into Victoria Station, and then I'd get on the tube and go to my school to do my research. And God just spoke to me and said, I want you to speak to one person every day, just one person. And he didn't say, you know, turn or burn, buddy, turn or burn, woman. Just speak to them. And so this morning, and you know, I was trying to be as British as I could. I had blue jeans and I had my, um, they weren't Doc Martens, they were um, those black shoes and I had a leather jacket and I had my little earbuds and I tried to look as British as possible. And like, I don't know if y'all noticed, but I'm wearing my ostrich skin boots for you all here in Texas, by God. And so I'm on this bus and I'm sitting there and all these lovely little British children in their uniforms going to school. And I see a woman sitting exactly kind of opposite of me and she's reading a book on the guide to the spirits. Guy, you know, it's like a spirit, new age spirit guide book. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe this is the woman I should speak to. And, you know, the bus is busy, and it's going from stop to stop, and it's crowded, and, you know, it's loud, and I'm trying to, do I speak to her? Oh, gosh. You know, and I'm fighting with myself, and finally we get to the final bus stop, and I didn't say a word to her. She got off the bus. I got off the bus, went down, got in the train. I go to my Victoria station, get on the tube and I go to my little Russell Square stop to this school called the London School of Oriental and African Studies. And I go down in the basement where I'm doing my research and I write in my journal and I said, God, forgive me. I missed an opportunity to share with this woman. Just give me courage to do it the next time. Closed my journal, did my research, studied there for about five hours. And my routine was after I got done doing my research, I'd get on the tube go to Victoria Station, take the train back to my bus stop, and then I would go to a coffee shop and do my own personal internet on my computer. So now it's like 7 p.m., and I get ready to get on the bus. I walk up to the bus station, and I'm standing there. No one else is around except for one woman. Guess who it is? My little spirit guide friend. Do you think God was in that? So I got on that bus, and I sat down next to her, not creepily, <laughs> but I said to her, you don't know me, and I'm not from your country, but I rode in on the bus with you this morning, and God has laid you on my heart all day long, and I've been praying for you. I saw you reading a book about spirit guides, and I just wanted to share with you about the spirit that I follow which is the Holy Spirit, and he guides me in all things. And then I asked her, hey, where, where are you from? And she said, I'm from Zambia. And I said, oh, I've been to Zambia, and we talked about that, and what are you doing? And she told me about that. And, and then I came to my bus stop, and I just said, thank you so much for sharing. I just want you to know somebody loves you and is praying for you. God bless you. And I walked off, and she rode on. 
Now, did I win her to Jesus? Shake your head like that. All I did was be her friend. All I did was share a little bit of good news. And men and women, I can tell you, there are thousands upon thousands of people all around you who are just longing for someone to be their friend. So my prayer for you today is that you would have a passion to make friends with lost people. Second story, and you'll like this one. I'm in Ghana, West Africa, and I'm flying back to the U.S., and I had a friend in Delta Airlines in, in Accra, Ghana, and she upgraded me to business class. So I'm sitting up there with the hoity-toities. So I see this, and we had to leave at like 10 in the morning. You have to check in at 6 a.m., and so there's this family of three. There's a young teenage girl and a mama and a daddy, and they've all got, they're almost like in their pajamas, and they're bedhead, and they don't care what they look like. And so I end up sitting next to the man, and I said, so what brings you guys to Ghana? And he said, oh, my daughter is Selena Gomez. I said, cool, what? Okay. And he said, well, she's like the Hannah Montana of the Hispanics. I said, okay. She's on Wizards of Waverly. Okay. And so I don't really know who Selena Gomez is. This was like 10 years ago. And so I said, so, you know, how was it? And they said, great. We visited schools, and she, she worked with UNICEF. And so I, the guy's name is Brian, and he said, you know, Selena's mom and I just got married about five years ago. And I just said, well, how's that going for you? And he said, it's great, but we want to have a baby. And so for me, you don't know me, but I love praying for fruit of the womb. It's one of my favorite to pray for people who are struggling to have babies. I, I shouldn't have totally told you that. All the, I'll pray with you. I don't care. After the service, you, know, you want me to pray for you, I will. But I just, I didn't say anything to Brian at that moment, but I kind of, I mean, where's Brian going to go if I say to him, hey, I'd like to pray for you? <laughs> you know, he can't go lock himself in the bathroom for 10 minutes or two hours or 10 hours. So, you know, we go on about our business and we, you know, he's playing games and I'm watching movies. And then I said a little bit later, I said, Brian, I just want you to know I'm a, I'm a pastor or a priest or whatever. And I said, I, I love praying for people who are struggling to get pregnant. Would you mind if I prayed for you? And he goes, no, I don't mind. So I prayed for him right there in business class and just said a simple prayer. And we flew the rest of our flight. We landed in New York and I called my daughter and I said, Maggie, do you know who Selena Gomez is? And she went, are you kidding me? So I ran over to her, and I'm like, Selena, could you just sign this for my daughter? And she goes, dear Maggie, God bless you, love Selena. And my daughter still has that. Well, the funny thing is, I got done with that. I didn't, you know, they, they went their way. I went my way. I'm preaching this same kind of message, telling this same story. And the next day, one of my people in the, in the congregation said, guess who just became a big sister? Selena Gomez. And it was just a sweet, cool thing. Now, did I win Brian to Jesus? I didn't, I didn't even ask him if he knew Jesus. I just wanted to be salt and light in his life. And, and men and women, I want to tell you, God wants to use you. What time do I have to be done? No, seriously. What time? Because that thing, it, I mean, it's not telling me when to stop. Man, are y'all Okay. Okay, just don't look at your watch again, okay? And I won't either. I saw you look at your watch. You made me nervous. 
But I didn't win Selena's stepdad to the Lord. All I did was pray for him. And men and women, you, you can do something that simple. If you're an introvert, there are introverts who want you to approach them, not me. Do you understand? Introverts love introverts. And God wants to use introverts to win other introverts to Jesus. I'll tell you one last story. I was in the Atlanta airport, and I'm in the bus, and I don't know, I mean the, the tram, and there's a lady standing there, and for whatever reason, I just said to her, and this was, I don't do this all the time, and you know, I, when I fly on airplanes, most of the time, I don't talk to anybody. I know that's hard to believe, but I really don't. But this woman standing there, and I said, are you coming or going? Just a fun question. Are you coming or going? And she just turned to me, and she said, I'm coming from my father's funeral. And I went, wow, I'm so sorry. I said, I've lost both my mom and dad. And we got off the train, and I just said to her, you, you mind if I pray for you right now? She just started sobbing. And I just prayed for her. I don't remember her name. I don't know anything about it. But, man, I mean, what, what did I do in that moment? I just reached out a little bit in kindness. So, men and women, when Jesus is saying to us, go and make disciples of all nations, I want to encourage you, go and make friends with lost people. Amen? Just go be a friend to lost people. Because they need us, the church, to be their friend. They need us to be their friend. They need us to pray for them. They need us just to be salt and light, just to encourage them. So I want to encourage you, as you grow deeper with Jesus, allow him to use you in whatever place you're in to go deep and to make disciples. Amen? And the last thing Jesus says therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Leave that up to Ray and Teresa. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. My last thing for you today, men and women, is that God would give you a hunger for his word, so that as you read his word, you will know that that word will come out of you in order to change other people's lives. You may have a lot of worldly wisdom, but I promise you, God's word is more powerful than anything that we can say. Amen? It really is. Last thing I want to share with you. When God called me to Catalyst for Africa, this ministry that I have, that I work with African leaders, he told me two things. He said, Michael, go small and go deep. And he said, if, if you build relationships with people one at a time, I believe you'll change the world. Because I believe it was the model of Jesus. That's what he did. So I want to spend the rest of my life doing everything that I can to go small and go deep and to pour into individual lives. And Ray said it. It's all about relationship. If I were to ask you, what was the sermon the last time Ray preached? What was his sermon topic? Anybody remember? You see what I'm saying? We don't, we don't really remember sermons but we remember this guy, and we remember Jacqueline, and we remember Thomas, and we remember Mary Frances, and we remember Chase, because they're your family, aren't they? They're your pastoral family, and they're pouring into your lives. And you remember Teresa, not for every gift she has in ministry, but because she shows up every Sunday, and she loves you guys, right? That's what you're going to remember. I hate to tell you that as good a preacher as you may be, Ray, most of us don't remember those. I always ask people, what are the five most important sermons you've ever heard in your life? And they're like a calf at a new gate. You know, they're like, huh? But if I ask them, name five people that have impacted your life, you can think of them just like that.
So I want to ask you, men and women, God wants to use you to change the world. Will you go out and make disciples? Will you go out and make friends with lost people and change the world in Jesus' name? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for every ministry that's represented in the those that are out in the lobby. And Father, I pray that you would encourage us as a congregation to, just as Ray said, to go out and engage each of these precious people that are doing amazing ministries, both locally and globally. God, thank you for Kiwi's testimony of your rescue, your redemption, your blessing beyond blessing. Father, thank you for apples on a tree that our Father could pick to show your goodness. God, help us to be salt and light to a lost and hurting world. We want to give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.